Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Technic Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. All right, Dean. Uh, if I asked you to recall maybe your two best retail experiences Ooh. or your two Ooh. worst retail experiences, mm. which one do you think would be easier for you to... Uh, worst, probably. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. I think most people, if you ask uh-huh. that same question, be like, oh, I can tell you some bad ones yeah. quite yeah. easily. Like some good. self-service that went all right. Yeah. Just totally off the rails. Or just like a really rude customer service yes. person. Yes. Or something yeah, like, I, hey, wait a minute. I'm the customer, right? Yeah. yeah. No, no. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, again, I think most of us, when we think about retail experiences, mm. we're more apt to think about the bad ones yes. than the good ones. I but agree. I think the good ones are what obviously most retailers want you yeah. to remember. So a lot of that, it falls into this idea of understanding customer journeys, giving them a positive experience, why all that's so important, Mm -hmm, especially mm -hmm, now when there are mm -hmm. so many, so much competition, so many options for how to shop and where to shop. For sure. So we're we're getting into that conversation today. We're going to be talking to Annie Zanger from CDW. Yep. We're talking about customer journey, experiential shopping. This idea again of you know what how these journeys have changed mm-hmm. over the years, why mm-hmm. things are different now, why mm-hmm. technology is becoming such an important part of that. We're going to get into the idea of going to a physical store, which I know some of us cringe at. You know, I'm pointing at myself here <laughs> on this one, but <laughs> but the research shows that people are back. They are. They, it yes. does. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And more importantly, that if people are going back, what they expect yes. out of those shopping right, experiences. Right. Yeah. And then we're going to talk a little bit about our VAR partners in particular. Mm-hmm. How maybe they, some of this can trickle down to where what they work in especially on the SMB side. Mm-hmm. So we got some good stuff yeah, here to talk stuff, about and how stuff. technology can kind of blend into retail to to really build these experiences out that we are all essentially craving when we mm-hmm. go to a store, if, if we go out if to we a go. store. Yeah. And we got the right guy to talk about a- it. Exactly. There you go. Uh, all that plus our usual value to the VAR. What's tech connecting with us? It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned, our guest today is Andy Zanger. He is the Director of Strategic Industries for CDW. Andy, thanks so much for joining us today. Happy to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and you know maybe why you got to be such an expert on retail. I know when we were talking about ideas about for this episode, there was a lot of stuff you said over mm-hmm. and said, hey, I can I can talk about any of this stuff. And uh, I had to narrow it down a little bit to one topic, <laughs> but you seem to know quite a bit. So what's what's your background on retail? Yeah, thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate uh, you having me on today. And and so, uh, so my uh, my title at CDW is Director of Strategic Industries. And and so, what my teams are responsible for are for helping to develop our, our go to market strategies, identifying and developing new industry specific solutions and services, and providing industry expertise to our clients, our partners, and our and our internal coworkers. And so uh, I've been with CDW for about 28 years now, so, so quite some time now. But prior to being at CDW, I was an assistant store manager in charge of operations for a big box retailer and uh, many responsibilities there, including overall operations, loss prevention, many other categories. And although the industry has changed so much since then, uh, it really gave me a great foundation for understanding the challenges that a retail company faces and how technology can be used to help improve efficiencies and store productivity, improve that customer experience and reduce risk from their business. And so over my career at CDW, I've led our retail practice and, and really helped to develop uh, how we approach the retail industry. 
We've had a great relationship with Andy through the years as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, being at Blue Star and CDW's relationship, uh, we've leaned on Andy a lot in the retail <laughs> space uh, and uh, getting a better understanding right. of what the heck's going on. And well, and he's got we that experience on both sides of it. You know, he's yeah. like he understands it from the the reseller perspective and yep. from the you know the IT channel perspective, yep. and also from the hey, I actually lived in the retail right? stores. I know yeah. what a little what hands it takes on to do this stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. Bingo. Uh, so good. That's that's good stuff. That's a good reason I think to have this conversation with you because I'm sure like you mentioned, you've seen so much change mm, over the years. Yeah. And and obviously, you know, we we point to all this and we look at, all right, the last, you know, let's say three to four years in yeah. particular, right. a lot has changed, you mm. know, for obvious reasons. But, you know, a lot of this has been a change that's been on the way and happening for the last, let's say, decade, 15, yeah. 20 years even or so. Yeah. I mean, even since back in my time in retail, early 2000s, yep. you know, like stuff was already starting to mm-hmm. change then. And we've only kind of, I think we escalated some things and accelerated some things over the last few years, but we were heading this direction regardless. Yeah. So let's talk about this idea of the retail customer journey in particular. And I think, you know, we as marketing folks talk a lot about customer journey. Oh, yeah. It's important to understand, like, yep. how does your customer get to you? How do who they, are they? How who do they are get they? To you? What yeah. are they thinking? How do they make decisions? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's important for retailers to understand, obviously, as well. Is like when someone buys something from you, how did they get there? Mm-hmm. Why did they come to that conclusion? Mm-hmm. What? Why would they come back? Them? Yeah, why yeah. would they come back? Right. So, uh, you know, again, this is not the same as it was, let's say, even a decade ago. So talk a little bit about that change, what's happened maybe over the last five to 10 years, and how much of that journey and what's changed in that journey is tied to what's been happening in technology. Yeah, well, I think... Everyone knows, obviously, what happened over the last couple of years, you know, regarding the pandemic and how that impacted shopping and the retail industry, which was one of the most impacted industries out there. And I think, though, you know, the reality of it is many people during the pandemic um, that didn't previously shop online very much started doing so because they had to. Right. And so in addition to having items shipped to their homes, they also used other fulfillment options such as Bopis and whether that was curbside pickup trunk delivery, locker pickup, or pickup at the register, overwhelmingly, a lot, the majority of the people found that experience more convenient. And so now that customers have started to come back to the store, and, and I think we're seeing trends that less shopping is being done online now than last year, and, and that trend continues. So it's great that customers are coming back to the store, but they have different expectations now, right? They want that same level of convenience uh, that they had when they were shopping from their home. They don't want to wait on long lines. They expect products to be available um, and they expect an overall efficient experience. And, and yet retailers are struggling at times because of some of the labor shortages. And ultimately, you know, consumers also, also want to start and stop their journey anywhere they want, right? They don't want to have to worry about whether they started online, in store, in an app. They want that journey to be unified um, and be able to start and stop in any place. And, and so, I think that's really, that's been the major impact coming out of this is that the consumer now has less patience for store inefficiencies and and lack of service. Um, And retailers have to try to figure out ways to make that a more seamless, you know, uh, journey. I like to t- sometimes blame it on other generations, right? Like, <laughs> like you got this younger generation, but, including us. <laughs> but, but, but in reality, there are societal changes too right. that have, that have changed right. that, right? You've got whole generations that have grown up with screen in front of their face, and uh, the kind of the me generation, and, and being able to do whatever they want, whenever they want, kind of a right, thing. So, right. but technology has certainly enabled that in the retail space as well. I mean, when you when you have now curbside and or personalization uh, of the shopping experience, that omni 
channel Nirvana mm-hmm. that I think a lot of retailers are going for. Exactly what Andy just said, kind of that blended experience, right? Like if I'm shopping online and I walk in the door, I want it. I want them to know who I am, have the same same experience, right? right. I don't right. want to have this great online experience. Go to the store and it's run down, or <laughs> you know, the customer service is no terrible. Doubt, yeah. There's no technology being used in the space. Right. You know what right. I mean? And you don't want that disconnect. So so you know, I'll throw on the table that society really and the way that we that we operate today and our expectations, as as he said, really kind of driving the whole tech right. change behind right. it. But it's enabling it, right? Yeah. Technology is enabling. The fact that we have the ability to do all these things is also enabling that uh, as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that simple fact of, you know, we all, again, like you said, we all walk around with a screen in our pocket. We mm-hmm. all walk around with these little mini computers we're carrying all the time. Mm-hmm. And our expectation is, all right, if, if it's an easy, seamless experience for me to do all these things on my phone or on my tablet, or on my laptop, whatever it is, why would I want to go to a place where they clearly are further back than that? Yeah. That yeah. doesn't have that modern technology. Yeah. And I'll back up some of what you know Andy mentioned here about you know the 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 shopping has changed. There's a Forbes article I came across that um, they they pull some statistics from Proper Insights and Analytics that says it tells us that adults are shopping online less in 2023 at 29.9% than they were in 2021 at 46.5%. So about a, a more than 15% difference oh, wow. in just a couple of years of who's yeah. shopping online and how much they're doing so. However, the difference now is that they are expecting the digital experience to be merged into to their physical one. They want to have the convenience and product availability of an online shopping mm-hmm, experience, mm-hmm. even if they're shopping in store. Exactly what he was saying. Right. They also note, too, that 31.8% of adults prefer a contactless checkout versus with the cashier. <laughs> Again, you're, I'll go back you're to you. I'm, I'm definitely in that in that category. Yes, let's see that one keep bumping up because I'm all for that, too. But again, it just speaks to this idea yeah. of you know, the the options are there. Maybe people do want to maybe get back out to stores again, mm-hmm. but they still want it to be a quick, seamless technologically, you know, en- enabled experience to get out there. And I think of the fact of like, you know, if, again, if you, you know, this, do the separation of like, say, 10, 15 years, what you had to do if you wanted to, I'll give you an example here, buy a new car. Mm-hmm. Most, for the most part, you just had to go to a dealer, check right. out some cars, do yep. some test drives, deal with the, you know, the salespeople driving you nuts or right. whatever yeah, and trying yeah, to yeah. sell you all kinds of things yep. and figure yep. out what you wanted. Mm-hmm. My last, and mind you, the last time I bought a car was six years ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any of that. I did all my research online. online. I yeah, was doing all right. the experience stuff yep. online, yep. checking out what I wanted. I was booking test drives, mm-hmm. overnight test drives online where I just literally just go and pick it up. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to deal with all the salespeople mm-hmm. stuff. And when I would basically, I was just like, all right, this is the car I like. I just showed they up and said- They didn't hold your the- driver's license hostage like they always no, do. They, like, they do right? a copy of it now. Yeah. They'll take like a copy of that in your insurance, you know, and then basically be like, all right, you can take us home overnight, but we know who you are and where you live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, even that, and and, and that, again, that was six years ago. Now you've got stuff like Carvana and some of these other places where you can you can do your entire car shopping sure. online yeah, yeah. and have it delivered Not to your even, door right. or show up somewhere and have a yeah. cool little elevator bring it to you. So it's stuff like that where, again- <laughs> You know, we've we've learned to adapt our own lives around mm. all of this technology. Mm-hmm. We the expectation has to be there that the retailers are matching that too. Wouldn't you agree with that, Andy? You think that's pretty much where we are now? Hundred percent. You know, I, I think the reality of it is the the retailers that'll be successful in the future are those that are going to be able to create that great in store experience with innovative digital experiences and and really merge those two together. You know, at the end of the day. It needs to be seamless and, and frictionless for the customer. I mean, just when you walk in the first 20, 30 feet of a retail establishment compared to 30, 40 years ago, completely changed. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. now that you have a kiosk and things of that nature. Right, Andy? I mean, just, just that space alone has probably changed in the 28 years that you haven't been in the industry. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no doubt. I mean, 
it, it, and technology is really enabling a lot of that, right? You know, think about when you walk into, you know, a, a, a large format store um, and you're trying to find an item and you have no idea where it is. You know, you're starting to see stores integrate into their mobile apps around, you know, looking up an item and telling you exactly where it is, what what shelf, what aisle. I don't have to sit there and look up and down the aisles to try to find, you know, the right color, you know, shirt or smock that's kind of walking around and flag them down to ask them where I could find something. Uh, something as simple as that, it just, you know, is making life easier. And, and think about where that could go in the future, where how can they automate that to actually, you know, have have a, have a more seamless way even even than that. And I think you guys at CDW are in touch with some of the innovative stuff that is happening, right, uh, as it relates to the, sh- the store experience where, you know, some of them are even changing just the, the contextual environment of, of going to a store and what they offer. Maybe, maybe it's a, a smaller amount that's on the floor, if you will, but they have the ability to fulfill those orders in real time right then and there, right? They're enabling the associates with mobile devices so that, you know, oh, if we don't happen to have it here, I can order it and I can have it to your house, whatever, maybe same day or first thing tomorrow morning kind of a thing, right? So so you're seeing, right? You're seeing some trends like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, the, the mobile, there, there's a lot of statistics around the amount of growth that's going to happen with mobile POS and, and how quickly that that's expected to grow over the next few years. I saw one stat that was just staggering, uh, you know, around it, it you know, the, the growth that's happening there. But um, it, it eludes me at the moment, so I apologize. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it, it was it was rather staggering with how much investment's happening into mobile devices, um, and and that ultimately solves for a lot of that customer experience, right? You know, if if a customer can look up information on their own phone faster than they can get the answer from the store associate, there's a miss there, and that's, that's a right, problem. yeah, yeah. Um, and so mobile devices are helping to solve for that. Uh, whether it's for checkout, whether it's for inventory, whether it's for product information, uh, enabling store associates with mobile devices and not making them leave the side of that customer helps with conversion rate. It helps with customer experience and customer satisfaction. Yep. In, in fact, I was reading an article where it's, it's all around prioritizing customer engagement mm-hmm. and not necessarily the sale, right? right, right. I mean, kind of like, you know, I, I can remember retail where you would walk in and and even the, like the high-end retail, you you had a salesperson on you immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, what's your size? You know, hey, right, come right. on over here and look at this new fall what are you fashion. For today? What are you doing? Hey, you know as sale? opposed yeah. to like, you know, now it's it, it's a shift. It's more, uh, it's more of a, you know, con- consultative right. uh, type sale, but enabled with mobile technology. I mean, you know, I've, I've noticed that change as well yeah. in, in the marketplace. Um, let's talk a little bit about personalization because you hear a lot about personalization, right, Andy? Like the, the need for, you know, when you talk about a customer experience, well, and especially generational, again, I'm, I'm going to go to the younger generations, you know, they feel like, well, you should know who I am walking in the door, you know, with loyalty programs and, and things of that nature. But it, I guess it speaks to the whole omni-channel and stuff like that. But but there's a push towards personalization. Are you seeing that as well and what, what people are talking about and, and just the, some of the chatter that's happening in retail? Yeah, I think it, it's an interesting one because it's a little bit tricky at times because companies are a little bit worried about PII and, and liability and regulation around tracking customers' information and, and how that data is treated. So I think there's a fine line there of, you know, where it feels creepy and where it feels good. That's a good take. Um, yep. And, yep. And so it's uh, it's definitely that that fine line to walk. But where retailers are getting that balance right, um, I'd much rather see a targeted ad or, or a seller, uh, you know, store associate coming up to me with something relevant to talk about than, you know, some random thing that I will never be interested in. 
Um, you know, there's nothing worse than getting a thousand emails about products that have nothing to do with, with what I do. Yeah. And you're starting, you know, to kind of drill in on the digital signage and media that's happening in the retail space. I mean, you, I think studies have shown that people uh, are okay when when messaging is relevant to them, mm-hmm. and certainly mm-hmm. there's a desire to try to bring that technology in as well. Where it, uh, you know, obviously it can get uh, dynamic as far as day parting and things of that nature, but even dynamic down to the person uh, right, type right. of a thing, or or what they might be shopping for. Right, we're starting to see a lot of use of digital signage in retail space. Uh, that you have you seen that Andy you know uh, yeah and, and I think it's interesting too because you could start merging together use cases across multiple technology platforms as well and so if we think about RFID as an example I think it's it's obviously RFID is not a new technology by any means uh, but the use cases are starting to pick up where retailers the ROI that retailers can achieve by looking at it in multiple ways right retailers have been looking at RFID for inventory you know management for years some use it for security purposes but when we start to look at it for other things such as interactive experiences uh, combining that with digital signage so how about if you went into the store and you picked up uh, you know, a sneaker in, in, a, in a sporting goods store and all of a sudden the digital signage all changed to that sport instead of being generic advertising. Or even better for Dean, maybe for you, maybe you walked into a liquor store and you picked up a bottle and, and, and a digital signage in the area started telling you about all different recipes and different things that you might be able to do with that spirit that you might happen to have in your hand, which is probably bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you 100% it. it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are Kentuckians. Come on. So, yeah. uh, well, I am at least. You're, yeah, you are. You're, you're adjacent. Kentucky adjacent. Might be how you want an ice cube. There you go. go. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the RFID technology because my daughter is, uh, you know, of age that she's working in retail. And I was Mm -hmm. talking to her the other day about the store she works at has everything's RFID. Right. And so part of her inventory count, she's going around wanding uh, and doing that. Now, she was complaining that it takes her (laughs) an hour to do that for three stores in the mall. And I'm like, do you realize how much time savings that, you know, comparatively? It's it's never good enough for the younger generation. It's a little lost on that. But you mean I can't blink and do this? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But when he gets I also want to have a separate call with your daughter to talk about what we used to have. To yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. But what she did kind of dive into was the Geiger counter mode on the RFID so that when customers come up and right, ask her about right. it, she can punch in the product and then it'll start, you know, until she finds it. And then boom, it's like, oh, yeah, it's right here type of a thing. And, you know, we've talked about, well, you know, in order to get good talent and the labor shortage that's out there. How do you enable your employees? Well, you got to have that kind of technology. And and I was just getting the sense from my daughter that she that's a really cool use of RFID. Right, right. You know, I can walk around and Geiger counter and find it, and then that helps me, right? Well, and journey. again, that's one of those things where I think, you know, as a retailer or as a retail customer, maybe you're thinking, or as you know, someone selling to retail, maybe you're thinking like, all right, that's all about the retailer and just helping them ease their job, maybe helping right. their employees. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. without thinking about the fact that like, hey, again, that all just blends into the whole customer mm. journey and experience mm-hmm. because to your point, if you're walking in there and asking for an item and they have to go look in the back room, spend 20 minutes back there, check around some here shelves, somewhere, yeah. find where it's been <laughs> misplaced. They know it's got, it says the inventory's in there. Yeah. I mean, that's frustrating for a customer, but mm-hmm. you know, that kind of technology, yes, it's beneficial to the employee mm-hmm. and to their own work experience. But man, how awesome does that look to an empl- to a customer? Yeah. When you can walk in and ask for something and it's been misplaced or still in the back room and they can find it still in find like it. just a yeah. couple minutes yeah, 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 and yeah. put it right in your hand. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's awesome. It's cool just stuff. Nothing right. bad about yeah. that. And let's think about the other side of that too. So you place an order online for pickup in store, you get to the store and they tell you, and it said that it was in stock and then they tell you that we're sorry, we can't find the item. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Dude, you know, that just happened to me the other day. Frustrating. Oh, yeah. 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 Someone picked up a shirt in men's department, dropped it in a rack in the women's department, and they're never finding that, you know, that shirt. And, and meanwhile, it's there. So, you know, RFID could certainly solve for that. Yeah. Exactly. That yeah. item level RFID going mm -hmm. on there. So, mm -hmm. well, so let's dive a little more into the experience part of things. We've touched on this a little bit already, but I wanted mm -hmm. to get into some statistics here as well. So, uh, Lightspeed had an interesting article about, uh, you know, experiential retail. And they note that brands that focus on engagement and personalization see their revenue increase by six to 10% almost three times faster than brands that don't. Mm. And a Forrester report found that 66% of consumers think that a company valuing their time is the most important thing that that company can mm. do. Right. A hard agree on that. I mean, yeah, again, right. you know, it, it's, you know, if you are going to take the time to, to show up in a retail store and a brick and mortar store, you want to be making the most of your time. Nobody Excellent wants to, point. I mean, I, I know there are some people that like shopping, but for the most part, most people they go because either if they like shopping, they just are browsing. But if they're going because they want something, mm -hmm. they want to be able to get it, get yep. in, get out and move on from there. So let's talk a little bit about that whole idea of the, the building, the experience where, you know, again, obviously retailers, the ultimate goal is like, hey, we want you to buy stuff, but we'd love it for you to show up in store so that we could potentially sell you more, not just the one thing that you're trying to get that you could buy. Sure, you could buy that one thing online, but if we get you <laughs> to come to store looking for that one thing, sell you four other things, that's even better. But again, that experience seems to be what people are looking for. Like, give me a reason to show up in your store and not just buy this doohickey online from mm -hmm, you. So mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about the tech that makes that happen. I think we've touched on it a little bit, but explain more about what is it that gives an, an experience to someone when they walk into a store versus just, I'm just here to buy something, show me where it's at, and then I'll leave. Yeah, well, I think it could go in a lot of different directions depending on what the brand is looking to achieve. But I think before... Um, you know, may not directly be answering your question, you know, but I think it's pretty relevant that I think one of the things that are often overlooked is we talk about the customer experience and the customer journey, but I think often we don't talk enough about the store associate experience. And ultimately that's really where it starts and removing friction from the store associate experience ultimately will result in a better experience for your customer. You know, because at the end of the day, if your store associate is experiencing friction, your customer is going to feel it. And so I think it really starts with there. So that's not necessarily talking about the technology that's giving that customer experience. Um, but I think if we, if we don't start there, you're never going to get to it. I mean, think about if you have to go to the customer service counter of, of a large store, uh, and it doesn't have to be in a big box store. It could be in, in, a, in a small boutique store as well. If your store associate doesn't have access to the information, let's say you go up to a counter and you're looking for a you know, Dean, Dean needs one of these uh, blue shirts, but he needs it in, in a little bit bigger size because he's been, uh, you know, snacking a little bit too much. And so, <laughs> too many Fig Newtons? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they just happen to be out of stock on that size. And he wants to know if they have it in, you know, five miles up the road at the next store, but doesn't want to drive there. And the store associate's sitting there fumbling, trying to look up the information, trying to find out if they have it in stock. And the associate's apologizing to you. I'm so sorry. Our systems are a little slow or I can't find the information. Um that's a real clunky experience that, that doesn't leave Dean with a good taste in his mouth. You know, he's going to go have to have a few more fig Newtons to get rid of that taste. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, if, if the store associate has access to the information, she could actually even place an order for you, have it sitting there reserved for you, um, you know, and, and you can go over and pick it up. So much better of an experience. Um, but it starts with the, the store associate having access to the, to the technology. 
Well, even beyond the, you know, the idea of like someone just sitting there and saying they're sorry and apologizing for everything. What about, because I've experienced this often, the employee that's actually openly angry and frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> like the person who has clearly experienced this problem multiple times. Yeah, right. You're like, oh, this stupid computer never works right. I can never find anything. Mm. I don't know. We probably got it, but this dumb thing isn't telling me. Like, what is that telling your customer? You're telling them like, all right, they're... These people are frustrated all the time. I'm going to be frustrated because of this. They're clearly not enabling them with the tools that they need to create a good experience for me. I mean, you're you're all you're doing is you're, to your point. You know that that experience starting with the the employee themselves is it's just being reflected and trickled right down to the customer themselves too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I walked into one store once, and I'll, I'll leave the name of it out, but it was it was a large format store, and I walked in because I, I saw that they had the inventory in the store, so I drove a little further to go get it. And I got there and I spoke to a store associate who was actually an assistant manager. And she said, oh, yeah, our website's never right with inventory. Oh, <laughs> That's, that is so oh great. Yeah. Yeah. Great to know. Great to know. <laughs> not, now. not the kind of tw- brand champion that you are wanting to that you want to have there in your store to yeah. encounter that. So, well, I like the angle that you're going here, Andy, with the with the, sh- the store ex- uh, associate, because I think that that is key. Right. But mm. when you think about experience, people still buy from people. And, st- and people still like the experience and enabling your associates. If you're investing in people that actually g- are going to be in store uh, and you've automated certain other processes or parts of the process through right. frictionless counters and stuff like that, uh, then it should be enabling those associates to do a better job and to have to be able to coach the experience a little bit more. Like, right. you know, you walk in and let's say you're trying on a pair of gloves or something and you want to see how it fits with a with a coffee mug or something like that. You know, enabling folks to, to be able to do that, having a associates there that can can do that that's the shopper experience that's going to win over right because right. you're going to walk out of there thinking warm and fuzzy oh this was a nice place to visit right you might not remember exactly why but you know that that's uh, that's part of it so i hard agree with you that you know technology and all these things should enable you know the, the employees that are in store to make that experience even better Right, right, because that—that's just one of those pieces that actually technology can't fix. You know, it's that human touch <laughs> and that human experience. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I think when we all go shopping, we just want—we want to be you. You want to be well, around from the I, I away know. from the but, but I, unless you need help. But I admit, if if I'm getting a good experience, if I, if it's a cool place to be in yeah, while right. shopping, yeah. I'm more yeah, yeah, inclined yeah, yeah. to be like, all right, I, I kind of enjoy being here. Mm-hmm. If I'm not getting hassled, I can do most of it on my own, and I get fun experiences out of it too. Mm-hmm. And again, at the end of the day, I think that's what most people want is they want something that's unique. Something that feels different than Mm -hmm. any other store they might go to. Or something that definitely feels different than shopping online. Like, hey, sure, I can spend two hours looking for the stuff I need online and order a bunch of stuff, wait for a box to show up, and make hopefully it's all good. But how cool is it when I can just go to a store and get my hands on with this stuff that I want or, you know, just, or I don't know, or even just be given a free cup of coffee or a bottled water. Well, I think the phrase here, pulling it out of that Forrester report, valuing their time, right? Yeah. People appreciate walking in the store and you can tell right away if they value me and my time or if they don't. Right. You know, if, if stuff's strewn all over the place and I'm going to have to pick through it, to, exactly. I, do they really value my time yeah. as opposed to an, an, a nice looking place where associates are well, you know, have technology enabled? Okay, you value my time because I don't have a lot of time. Yeah. I don't have a lot of time to do shopping. So, you know, what are you doing to help me out? Right. There kind of go. a thing. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know, uh, you know, we didn't directly answer the question initially, but I think there are a lot of other things, you know, it, but it does really start with that and, and figuring out what can we also take off the store associates plate, you know, by using technology to automate so that that your store associate can spend more time with your customer um, and doing things of that nature as well. And but, you know, if we go back to, to the original question of, you know, 
how is technology, you know, helping out with that, that in-store experience? It's, it's a lot, I think it's very different depending on the format of the store and the category of retail we're talking about, but we are seeing a lot of retailers repurposing space. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, pick up from store and, and inventory and how we're using stores in different ways that way. But it's about creating, you know, you talked about giving someone a, as simple as a bottle of water, right? Having a little lounge area. Uh, if you're if you're talking about a more luxury boutique store where you have to wait for that interaction with with the store associate, maybe you do have an area set up where you have some bottles of water, some coffee, things of that nature. Um, you know, in in different formats, maybe you have some interactive digital signage experiences. Uh, maybe even some, we're starting to see customers do more virtual reality type engagements and and different ways of engaging with their phone and social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, social shopping is definitely you know picking up a lot as well. And how do you integrate that with the in store experience? Um, and so I think there's a lot of different things that are happening uh, on the technology, and it does vary though by format. Yeah, yeah. Like I think of you know I, what some reason an example that always comes to mind to me is IKEA. Mm-hmm. That's one of those places that people go to because they just enjoy the experience. <laughs> it's a destination, it. right? Yeah. They, like I've, I, there's plenty of times. There's a couple of times I've been there, and plenty of people I know that go because they just want to walk through, mm-hmm. check stuff out, mm-hmm. you know, get some of the meatballs, do whatever, you know, just do some of the cool stuff you do at IKEA. Right. They don't plan on buying anything. They may not buy a or not a lot thing yeah. at all, yeah. or yeah, mm-hmm. or maybe they're just going there for something simple or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's it's part of the experience, the walk it's through, the journey through the, the store. Yeah. Is just as entertaining as yeah. whatever it is you you know might need to actually yeah. buy there. Yeah. Now, granted, and this kind of dovetails into our next question here. That's not what you know every store can do. Like you right. know, most stores, right. you know. Yeah, and yeah, again, yeah. I, and I think about a lot of a lot of the other bars that we work with. You know, other than CDW, there's a lot of them that we work with that you know they're mostly focused on SMB retailers. Mm. Some of the small, maybe maybe mm. local brand, local chains, maybe a small regional, you know, retailer of some sort. That mm-hmm. hey, they're not looking to be the IKEAs of the world. They're not looking to be the the you know the store that's on Fifth Avenue, you know, and having this dynamic experience when you walk in Tiffany's or something like that. You know, they're not. <laughs> looking for that but they're also still looking for a way like hey how can i get people to want to come to my store and buy something i'm sure i'm offering stuff online maybe i've got the bopus option maybe i've got you know some options to to come in store and pick up or you know place an order here but but i really still want people to come here because when they come here i've got great people we've got great products we know we can keep them in the store how do we get them here so let's talk a little bit about that so you know the some of the smaller retailers that maybe are thinking like i don't have the budget to go all out here i can't install like amazing beautiful signage i can't build this wonderful experience all throughout my store. I don't have the space even for it necessarily. Mm-hmm. How do you know, how do we talk to them and help them figure out like, Hey, here are some th- small things that you can still do in your store to create an experience with customers that doesn't have to look like, you know, what the big dogs are doing, but can still win you the business over going somewhere else or even shopping online. Yeah. I think there's definitely a few simple things that we can do for, for smaller retailers. And some of it goes back to what we already spoke, you know, pretty in depth about, which is around that store associate experience. And and I think it starts with understanding what you want your customer experience to be and then looking at your store associate experience and does that enable them to achieve that customer experience. And when we think about that, I think mobile POS, we also spoke briefly about, I think that can play a huge part of it In in a small store. How great is it for that store associate to walk with the customer throughout their entire journey, never have to leave their side, be able to pull up information, be able to get pricing, availability, be able to place the order, transact, and the customer can just leave right there. Um, they don't have to go to a counter to look it up, look something up. They don't have to go in the back you know, storage room to see if the inventory is there. 
they can actually, if they don't have it in stock, they can ship it right to home all without leaving the customer side and, and really consulting with them every step of the way. So I think mobile point of sale is an easy way. It's not super expensive in a small store. You might only need, you know, one, two, maybe three devices. Um, you know, if, if you're talking about a small format store, it depends on, again, the scale of what we're talking about. But for those smaller retailers, you could be talking one or two mobile devices and, and you're off and running. I think the other piece of it too is to think about is the network and the Wi-Fi in the store. What does that look like? Because if you don't have a good network, you're not going to be able to support the mobile point of sale. But what you're also going to have challenges with is can your customer actually get on Wi-Fi and can they look up information? Because if we go back to what we spoke about at the, at the start of this conversation around customers' expectations and, and they get them getting used to having being online and having that unified experience across channels, if there's dead spots in your store and they can't connect online, that's going to frustrate people. I've walked out of stores because I'm trying to look something up and I can't and I have to go to the front of the store to look it up and I might as well just keep walking and go right out the door. Um, you know, so can I go online? Can I look up product information? Can I check out the price to make sure I'm getting a decent deal, which may seem counterintuitive, but if, if I'm pricing right, it's not really that big of an issue. Um, and also I may want to actually FaceTime someone and say, hey, what do you think of this? I may want to online. I don't want to stream it. Um, and if I can't do all those things, it's going to make me leave the store faster than if I could. So how is that network bandwidth, you know, look like, and it's an easy fix in most cases. I'll throw on the table like kiosks, right? Even though we're enabling the associates, some people like some people in this room uh, <laughs> like to still have their own journey. Uh, so, you know, enabling uh, kiosks today have gotten down to the point where really it's not a, it's not cost prohibitive like it no, used to be. No. I mean, touch screens and things of that nature, just by enabling, even if you have your website on store and, and enabling kind of that endless aisle experience, right? Mm -hmm. Where, okay, we might have, well, we, we're, we're going to enable that through a, a kiosk experience or price checking or whatever it may be, uh, of course, on the checkout uh, through through a kiosk or a, some kind of self-serve there. Uh, those are, I, I really think that that's, and that's why we're seeing a, a huge, you know, uptick, if you will, in those types of technology, right. the self-serve uh, around a kiosk and things of that nature. Th those are technologies that if SMB isn't looking at that, I mean, that is definitely, to me, it's one of those technologies that's, it's not a cost thing it, as much as it used to be anymore. Uh, you can really enable it pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. I think something important here too. Go ahead, Andy. Oh, sorry about that. No, I was going to say too, I think a, a really, when we talk about affordable solutions, I mean, think about the revolution that the QR code has had. Oh, yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and looking at ways to integrate QR codes into different parts of your store and even the checkout experience, you know, Dean, you're talking about, um, you know, kiosks. How about you let, let the customer build a cart in the kiosk and then have a QR code so they can finish a transaction on their phone? Yep. There you um, go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, so talk about that unified experience and being able to kind of go across platforms and start and stop your journey. I could load that up and, and be off and running. I don't have to, you, know, you wouldn't even need to incorporate you know, the point of sale functionality in that kiosk, you could just have some digital signage with a QR code at the end that they scan and they finish a transaction online. I, I was actually going to say something exactly the same about the QR code thing. Like there's a simple thing that you can, you know, you can use it. Like you, you mentioned, you can maybe have them just post it around the store of like, Hey, not sure which, you know, size or color to get or whatever, you know, scan this for some more options or whatever, just little things like that. And if you're a VAR sitting there thinking like, what's that got to do with me? Well, Hey, 
there's media right there. You know, they gotta, they, they're going to need a printer to print out those QR codes. They're going to need some media for that or some recurring revenue. There's probably going to be some back end inventory management software or some kind of software that you can partner up with somebody on the back end to, to deliver whatever mm-hmm. message comes along with mm-hmm. that code. There's lots of little opportunities there. And that stuff is going to be a very light, simple lift. That is easy to explain to somebody like, hey, here's how this is going to benefit your store. And we're not asking you to do much of anything. You don't have to tear out stuff and install new things necessarily. We're not asking you for a monstrous lift. It might literally just be like, hey, you got all this shelf space here. There's a couple places you could stick some QR codes or just a little message, mm-hmm. maybe a tiny little digital signage piece somewhere. It's stuff like that. They're, that no, they're doing it. Yeah. I was up in Michigan and at a very small grocer, and they have wine selections that are called <laughs> Lara's Picks. Right, and so hey, it's like go. a local Molier or whatever you right, would call right. that, right? Uh, and and what but what they had was a little QR code that you yep. could watch a little video of her and why she thinks this vi- this particular wine See? is so good. And that's so it's just like a little so, video. It's so and easy. And I'm telling to do. you, there were people like you know just crowded around, and everybody's like scanning in, and, you know, and then moving on. Uh, exactly. But I think you're hitting the nail on the head there, Andy. Sometimes it can be very simple stuff like that, you know, where yep. it, again, if it's a journey, you know, I don't mind going to a store and having a little bit of an educational experience around what it is I'm thinking about buying, right? right? right. I might have already done my research before I walked in the door, but yeah, I mean, I found myself QR coding Laura's picks, and I'm like, well, yeah, what what does she have to say about this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway. Well, you know, I was going to add here also that, um, you know, don't assume that small, mid-sized retailers aren't going to be interested in this stuff or don't see the value or or are immediately turned off on this stuff that you can only be chasing after the big boxes here. Agreed. I did a, I hosted a a webinar yesterday with one of Lenovo's partners that, you know, focuses on on screens and mm-hmm. displays, you know, everything from POS to just in-store displays. Mm-hmm. They have lots of cool, unique, interesting little displays. I mean, nothing mind-blowing here. I mean, they were good, really cool, you know, well-done stuff. But, like, just something as simple as, like, hey, let's take a square screen and turn it sideways so it's kind of like a diamond shape because that catches someone's eye. Mm-hmm. And I asked the question towards the end of, hey, is this something where you – do you encounter this where people think that – you know, smaller retailers are interested, or do you encounter smaller retailers that think this isn't for me? This is something for big stores. And they said, actually, it's quite the opposite. Usually, the smaller retailers are the ones that are more interested in this stuff because they understand. They got to differentiate exactly. Yeah. They understand that they need to differentiate. That mm-hmm. They need to have a unique, different experience. They need to stand out from the big box store down the street. And sometimes, just some cool, interesting signage that's got neat little things on it that catches right. people's eye when they walk yep. in can make a big difference. Yeah. So I think that's important to remember. Is like, look, you know, the maybe. You're thinking like the big box is the only place that are going to be interested mm-hmm. in this kind of stuff. Or they could but, invest in it kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. But the small retailers, they understand better than you might think. It's a matter of you having those conversations with them and, mm-hmm. and breaching that subject mm-hmm. to, you know, to find out if there actually is a play there. Yeah. Right. I think the other point there, too, is that when you think about it, sometimes it's actually more affordable for the smaller retailer to do it. Because when you think of a Walmart... If they want to implement a new technology, you know, how many stores do they have to replicate that across? Right? And when you have a smaller retailer, they might only need one or two of those digital signage solutions that you're talking about. And they might only have it on one to 10 stores. So the investment to be able to get to that ROI on that investment is so much faster for them. So especially if you could find a technology that can be leveraged across multiple use cases. And how many how many layers of people do you have to go through to implement a, you know, a, a solution in a big box store? You know, all the, true. All yeah. the various people you got to talk to, all the sign-offs and approvals, all the... Yeah. You know, bureaucracy you have to go through there. Yeah, you, you go to a little mom and pop store, maybe they own like five locations around, you know, a county or something. Like, you've probably got like maybe two people you have to talk to that are going to make that decision. You can you can wrap up that sale in maybe just a few weeks potentially. So, yeah, true. Big difference between having to buy 10 displays and having to buy 100,000 displays. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely. 
For sure. All right. Well, hey, good stuff here. Um, before we wrap up with our value to the VAR and give another takeaway for our VAR audience here of maybe how you can approach this subject right now, mm-hmm. uh, I want to, as always, thank uh, the sponsors of our show. We appreciate all of the vendors that sponsor us and all that uh, support us, the podcast, our Tech Connect program. We appreciate what you guys do. Uh, and hey, if you like this show, you know, it's kind of important to tell us. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those things that. Yeah, I'm sure you listen to a lot of podcasts, you watch a lot of videos. How often do you take just that few extra seconds to leave to, a review? Oh, yes, right. There you to, go. Yeah. To hit this five stars, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to hit like, you know, subscribe Pretty to something easy to do. you like. It's yep. simple. It's yep. easy. You could do it right now. If you're watching on YouTube, there's a little button right down there below the video. Just like. S- yep. That's there it. you go. Yep. You smash subscribe. that subscribe button. Smash. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, the Blue Star YouTube channel, you can subscribe. If you're listening on the podcast of your choice, especially like Apple Podcasts, I think Spotify is doing it now too. Mm-hmm. You can you can leave a quick little review there. It's yep. something simple. Just you know, go into the go into the show and uh, hit five stars. Leave us a type as a quick little review. And you can pause it while you're doing that. You know, so you're not missing anything. And just <laughs> leave us a little review. Tell <laughs> us what you think. Right yeah, I'd love to go. get some of these and read them on the show. We get ratings. There's a lot of people that rate the show. Yeah, I don't yeah, get yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. Reviews. Like reviews. I think your yeah. daughter left a review once. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Right. That, yeah. You know that didn't that one didn't really count. So you know, <laughs> leave us a review. We want to hear from you. And more importantly, we also want to know what do you want us to talk about on the show mm-hmm. if you like this conversation we had with andy if you think hey andy seems like he knows a lot about retail i'd love to get him back to talk about this other subject mm-hmm. let us know we just need to know that there's always a link in our show notes where you can leave us a a, a review or not a review but leave a topic for us if you submit that to us just for sending it even if we don't use it even if it's something we've already covered and i can say hey we already did this check out this episode still i'll send you a tech connect podcast t-shirt there you go. That's it. Just, just like for, that. Just yep. for giving us an idea. Nice summertime tea. Simplest way to get a t-shirt you're ever going to find in your life. Absolutely. Other than maybe, I don't know, going to a baseball game and have one <laughs> shot at you out of a cannon or something. I mean, <laughs> and even that, that's not simple. You got to stand up. Yeah, you got to yeah, catch you gotta it. You got to work gotta for it. Hope yeah. it doesn't hit you in the face. You got to maybe no. shove this some skin aside so they can't right. get it. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so simple way to do that. And of course, as always, if you want to keep in touch with us and keep connected with us, you can always find us on Twitter, at least until that platform dies. You know, we, maybe we have to start looking at some of the other ones at this point. Yeah. But we're there for now at Tech Connect Pod. You can also email us techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here, first of all, with our value to the VAR. As I mentioned, this is our way of kind of giving a little bit of a takeaway yes. to our VARs of something something maybe you can do actionable right now. Uh-huh. So, so, Andy, I'll let you kick us off here. You know, maybe we'll get a little broader than just what we've been talking about on the customer journey experience if you've got some other ideas there. But is there any kind of new retail tech innovations, trends, stuff that you really think that VARs should be learning more about right now that's likely to become part of their tech stack either sooner or somewhere in the future? Just the stuff that you think... Hey, if I were if I were a retail VAR right now, I mean you are obviously, you know, in in, in your world, what would I be what do you what should you be paying attention to right now that's probably gonna be important down the road? Yeah, honestly, there's so many directions I can go with this one. I, I we could probably <laughs> spend another 45 minutes just on on this, but I would say it's it's almost not fair because it's such a layup and I almost feel bad kind of saying it, but AI obviously is you know, at the top of every retailer's mind, you know, when we were at the NRF big show back in January, it was kind of being talked about, but people were trying to figure it out. I feel like it's what what cloud was maybe 15 years ago, where it's a buzzword that everyone's talking about. Not everyone's quite sure what it means or what to do with it. But um, IDC releases their futurescapes report every year at the beginning of the year. And I think at the beginning of the year, they they said that by 2025, 20% of the top 100 global retailers will drive holistic business results using distributed AI systems. 
I'd be willing to bet that if they republish that or when they do republish it next year, that number will be even higher. Uh, because over the last few months, AI has just been on fire with ChatGPT. It just has everyone talking about it, thinking about it. But there's so many different ways that AI can help retailers take their data and not just have data sets, but actually create actionable insights off of them that they can execute on. And, and so I think AI is clearly the, the by far the biggest one that everyone's kind of trying to figure out right now. I agree with that. I'm going to throw one more on the table, which is loss prevention. I came across mm -hmm. an article on CDW. Uh, they've got a phenomenal amount of information around retail, um, but they they really had a good article wrapped around you know what resellers can do around uh, well what retailers can do, but resellers can pick up on this too around loss prevention mm -hmm. because that's a pretty big thing right now, right? Oh, yeah. I think it's like 1.2 percent of of all sales across all of retail is is loss is for you know is it's just Literally, up, yeah. literally walking out the door. Right. So you know, uh, so when you look at it in the article, it cited thirty nine percent of retailers are implementing or planning to implement RFID. We already talked about it. Mm. Uh, systems to help thwart that, you know, uh, <clears throat> because you, you can have alarm systems and things of that nature. Thirty percent of uh, retailers are implementing or planning to implement a point of sale video analytics. So that kind of gets into a little bit of the AI, but but again, there, there's there's a need for you know really scrutinizing the use of technology to enable, in this case, loss prevention, right? Uh, what, and, and I think a lot of retailers are looking at that right now. What, what technology can we implement uh, to, to help with the massive amount of loss prevention that's happening? Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say the AI thing, too. And and, uh, and this is, a, I think, an opportunity for us to give a quick little sneak preview of the fact that we've got uh, a few episodes about AI oh, yes. that are coming down the pipeline here. Mm -hmm. wasn't intentional, but we've lined up some guests that all yep. are going to have a little bit of you know, yeah, we uh, gotta start touching figuring on, this out. Yeah. on AI stuff here soon. So, <laughs> it's the Wild West so, right now. Exactly. Yeah. So, if, you know, keep, keep in tune with that, but we're going to have more episodes where we're talking a lot more about AI. We have one that's going to be all about AI and retail in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, as I mentioned, Andy's going to be actually uh, back on the show with us again. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't mention this yet, but he's going to be back with us uh, in a, in a about a month or so, mm -hmm. uh, we have another live episode we're going to be recording yep. uh, with him and a couple other folks from from Zebra and Retail Management Hero talking all about what's going on in POS and payments. And I mm -hmm. I can almost assure you that AI is going to be coming up in that conversation again, too. I can't Guaranteed. imagine yeah. no one's going to be bringing that up. So Guaranteed. stay tuned because there's a lot more for us to say about AI in mm -hmm. the retail world, among other spaces. Uh, and, I, and I think we're going to have some really more interesting conversations about this because it's it's fascinating to me, too. It I is. Think, yeah. I think, again, I think we've, we've gone beyond the, all right, this whole chat GPT mid journey stuff is cool and interesting, but what does it actually what does mean, it mean to, yeah. okay, now we understand what it means. And now there's even so much more we can do with this mm -hmm. and so many other industries that we have to start wrapping our heads around. Yeah. And to Andy's point, yeah, you know, the, the stuff that once upon a time that we used to say like, yeah, what does that actually mean? That's become part of our everyday lives. I think we'll be the same thing with AI and not too much longer either. Yep. So, would agree. Yep. Good stuff to keep an eye on and pay attention to. Do you have any other ones, Andy, that popped off the top of your head? Yeah, well, I would I 100% agree with the loss prevention. I mean, we're doing a lot of work there. We have an entire physical security practice where we're looking at new ways of using cameras with AI and 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 also some hosted and managed services to help you know combat that. But it is it's one of the biggest challenges retailers have, and I've actually heard higher numbers than you, Dean. You know, I think I've heard like 1.4. Oh yeah, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's just crazy. Not sound like a big difference, 1.2 to 1.4, no, but it's that's billions of dollars, probably right. or hundreds of millions of dollars, right yeah. there. Yeah. For sure. So huge problem that everyone's looking at and, and loss prevention teams have the same staff challenges that 
you know, the rest of the store does. So they don't have the bandwidth to really, you know, go after it well enough. And, and then there's also safety issues. That I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But um, yeah, I think the other thing that's, um, you know, really interesting to talk about is Web3. Um, and I know there's a lot of mixed opinions on, on Web3 and what that means and whether that's related to payments, whether that's related to NFTs, which are a little controversial at times too, but there are some loyalty perks to in ways that they can be leveraged for that. But then also just the underlying technology, um, well, there's the metaverse too, but, but the underlying technology around Web3 of the blockchain and how that's going to be leveraged in the future, I think is um, you know, really interesting because it's being used in a lot of ways. I don't know if you saw anything about uh, Lowe's Project Unlock, um, but some fascinating stuff where what they're doing is they've actually started, because of all the organized retail crime that they're combating, so tying back to your loss prevention, they've actually started a program where they're integrating RFID chips inside their power tools. And the power tool will not work unless the transaction during the transaction, they unlock it. So it's almost, you know, when you used to go, you know, when you go to the store and you get a clothing tag removed, well, physically remove the tag, it's activated when that purchase takes place. And if, if someone steals that device, the, the, the power tool is just not turn on. And so what's powering that is RFID, of course, but also the underlying that is the blockchain technology because it's all being tracked uh, and ultimately looking towards how can that be leveraged on an open source system so that can actually be integrated with law enforcement. It could be tracked for returns. It could be tracked on the second market um, and, and where blockchain is going and the ability for inventory validation um, has huge potential. Brilliant. That's awesome. Yes, yeah. that's pretty cool. No more buying something that fell off a truck. <laughs> yeah, we know exactly what truck that fell off of. Yeah, we and know you're going it to was. jail. It wasn't paid for. And when they try to return it in the store, they're like, I'm sorry, this was never purchased. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember that uh, in my retail days, and I worked in a bookstore. Like there was somebody people would try to return stuff. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was very clear. Like you didn't, you didn't buy this from us. Yeah, right. I know it's something we have, but it's not something you you bought from us. Yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah. So Dean, I'll give you a little homework. Google uh, Project Unlock with Lowe's, and you'll see there's they they put out some collateral about it. There was they had a speaking session at NRF Protect back in June, and uh, it was phenomenal work they're doing there. Nice, awesome. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in our show notes. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap up as always with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting With You? This is where we get to talk about something in the world of science, tech, innovation, business, discoveries, yep. just stuff that's or caught otherwise. our attention. Yes. Caught yeah, our yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. If it's you and me, it's just stuff we just feel like talking about <laughs> because we have to do one of these every single episode. But uh, Andy, I'll let you start here. What's Tech Connecting With You right now? Oh, geez. You know, I think I just gave my answer for you already. Right. <laughs> Everything that's happening in that space of Web3 is really interesting. And, and again, you know, I know people have mixed feelings about it because there's, you know, some people don't think that cryptocurrencies are legitimate. Some people think that NFTs are a joke. Um, but when you start to peel back the layers and thinking of it outside of, you know, what a lot of the narratives are that are out there and how can it be used in a business sense? So you see Starbucks, um, you know, playing with NFT loyalty programs. They have um, their Odyssey program, they're calling it, is, is their pilot around using an, an NFT loyalty program. Um, there's other ways that it can be leveraged to build brand engagement. I'm not talking about just kind of sending out some cartoon gifts, you know, as a, uh, you know, as an NFT just for the sake of doing it. But there's ways that NFTs at the end of the day are a way of authenticating. Mm-hmm. Um, Tokenizing, so, yeah, right. Yep. And so there's a lot of ways that I think retailers are starting to, to, to test that out. And when you start to peel back the layers of Web3 in general and where it's going and how that's going to impact the retail industry, um, it's got some really profound potential 
Um, but I think we need to get past some of the gimmicky stuff that's going on right now. Yeah, that was my thought on it too. Right. It's one of those yep. things where I'm I'm a big skeptic about it myself too, but I also recognize like maybe once we've got all the grifters pushed aside that are <laughs> that are trying to figure out how to just make millions off yes, of this. Yes, yes. And we realize where the underlying value might be, we can get to some useful applications. Yeah, no, the impact so. now on true. supply chain is, is yeah. amazing. Yeah, yep, yep. definitely. I would agree with that. Yep. Good stuff. Hmm. All right, Dean, what the... about you? What's technique with you? Well, I got an e- I got, you know, I, I don't know. Am I eating crow? I don't know. So here's the headline. <laughs> Netflix hauls in nearly 6 million new subscribers and $8.2 billion in revenue in Q2 as the streamer cracks down on the password sharing. So, right, I mean, we all we all use Netflix, I guess, yeah, yeah, right? in the room. If, uh, if, if any of them, that's the most likely one. So the using, day yeah. that that dropped, that, you know, the whole can't right, share your password right. anymore, my daughter on the phone with me dad netflix is no longer i'm like yeah i mean we saw this coming right <laughs> right they announced right. it well fix it was <laughs> fix the it. answer so you know whereas i thought you know there were some out there would think well this is going to be you know damaging for right, netflix right. it's, it's gonna it's gonna be terrible for business nope yeah. not the case yeah. six million new subscribers i by the way am one of those like i like a half subscriber so that you know you, you could do the buddy system i guess right, right? where right. it's not Full price, but at half price, and then that unlocked my daughter into Netflix. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, they're one of Netflix is one of the few streamers that's still doing fairly well. All True. the others are struggling. Yeah. And then now, on top of it, you got the whole writers and, and, and actors strikes. Yeah. But what's your take here? Because as a consumer, there's so much content out there. There is. It would take me so long to catch up to what's been produced. To there date. is. And I think that's the nobody, problem. Nobody's I think really going to care. I think we're, we're, we're getting close to some kind of loggerheads here with all of this mm-hmm. because. Yes, to your point, before these strikes happened, before Netflix started cracking down on this stuff, there's just too many different streamers out there. There's so much content. I'm not saying it's it's a bad thing. I love the fact that I've got, you know, I can Choices. I can finish a show and go right on to something else that yeah. I've been itching to watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't see any end to that for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you're getting to the point where you're getting so oversaturated, people don't know where to go. And these streamers are reaching the point where They've and Disney was one of the ones that as an example is when Bob Iger took back over the company again, he looked immediately at Disney Plus and said, All right, your whole goal this time has just been to get as many people as possible signed up mm-hmm. without bothering to get any revenue out of this mm-hmm. and bothering to figure out what you're actually getting off the back end of this. You just mm-hmm. cared about subscribers. And now I think that model's shifting. Plus, again, you've got all the writers and actors and whoever that are saying, like, hey, for those of us that aren't the superstars and the megastars that get paid millions just to show up and make a movie or a TV mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. we're all struggling because we're getting literal pennies. Pennies there's a, there's on people royalties. that are actually showing yeah. off, like, I got a penny royalty for this show yeah, right. that was a mega super hit, but now is streaming, and yeah. therefore I get only pennies every yeah. five, six months out of yeah, it at yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of stuff I think is good. This whole thing is going to it's gonna have to Something's evolve a, and some, change in some way. Something's going to have to change somewhere. And I think, yep. you know, Netflix will probably weather that storm because Well, they got the subscribers. Yeah, they're, they're still <laughs> one of the premier ones. They will probably absorb some of the smaller ones into them yeah, at some point yeah, is what's yeah, going to yeah, happen. Yeah. But I think you're going to start seeing Consolidation. Consolidation. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a. What's that, Andy? You know what's coming next, Dean? So watch out. You're not going to be able to share your Amazon Prime membership. Dude, I know. I don't know. As much as you spend on that one, though, that's one I feel like, you know, it's one one thing to share a password for something you're paying like six bucks a month for. But, but Prime's Prime? like, what, 120 bucks a year now? Year? Something yeah. like that, I think. Plus all you know? the stuff like, you're buying and all the money that they're making. Come on. Yeah. yeah. But that is a good point because they do fold a lot of services under that. And I could see they them do. starting to they piecemeal do. that a little bit, too. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. we'll see what happens there. Anyway. Uh, all right. That's so, my tech beef, 
actually. What, yeah, what's tech connecting with you? All yeah. right, here's here's a here's a resolving tech beef. Oh, uh, so you know the the Apple had their big WWDC uh, conference uh, yep. about a month a month mm-hmm. and a half or so mm-hmm. ago, and you know normally everyone's excited, but they just find out like, all right, what's going to be in the new iOS? Uh, what new tech you can put? Of course, they put out the whole new um, you know the new headphones? VR. Oh, the, oh, the, yeah, 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 the yeah, yeah. VR thing. What's it called? Vision yeah. Pro or something yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. Or whatever they're putting out there. I'm surprised if Andy was... doesn't have one of those already. You got the Vision Pro or whatever. <laughs> Don't you, have you seen the videos yeah. that? That's a little creepy. Because, it is a little like, creepy. The whole thing where it like lets people see your eyes, like when you're talking to them, <laughs> like like ski so goggles. You, it's yeah. like I refuse to take this off, but I'll talk to you and you can see my eyes through it. <laughs> but I'm not here to talk about that. Because <laughs> okay, that's, that's a whole different yeah. thing. Maybe got it. maybe we spend a Tech Bytes episode diving. Maybe a we should. We should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about a new feature that's coming to iOS 17, okay. which is going to solve a big ducking problem. Okay. What might that be? Which is the autocorrect of a certain F word <laughs> that sometimes people like to use in their texts or messages. It always gets autocorrected to the word duck. Does it really? And apparently now Apple's going to fix that where that is not automatically getting autocorrected I see. anymore. They're the just going to let you curse like a sailor. The autocorrect will learn that you prefer to use the other word and will no longer correct it for you. <laughs> And leave it, leave it as, Who knew? as your particular Who word knew? of choice. Who knew? <laughs> Are you writing all this content that has the word duck in it? I'm not, but just, you know, every now and then, you know, like. Andy, has this been a chronic problem for you? I mean, you're an Apple guy, right? Yeah, no, I can't say that it is, but I, I wonder what happens if I try to put the word duck in. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you get. Well, that's going to be a good question after this happens. Though. I'm pretty sure go. right now you're fine, but I'm curious after the fact if it's like, oh, it did learns. you mean to say yeah. <laughs> this instead? Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. I'm very curious about that. But, you know, it's one of those one of those very tiny little things. I'm like, yes. all right, I can get behind this because right. I, I can't tell you. Again, I'm not sitting there just, you know, like it's not like I'm ripping them off in every single text I'm sending or every email <laughs> I'm sending or anything. But you know, there's times when it's you want to. There's times when you want to use it. Well, especially you want, when you're angry. You want the word, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> and then you really want to use it after it doesn't work for exactly. you. Exactly. I'm <laughs> not duck. It reminds me. Have either of you seen The Good Place? This uh, account, The Good Place. No. Uh-uh. Uh, so in The Good Place, they're in heaven. Is the, the mm-hmm. theory about it? It's these people that have you know have died or in the afterlife. Whenever they try to curse, it just completely changes what comes out of their mouth. <laughs> To a different word, so like I think I think that word becomes fork every time that they say it. It's just fork, you know, and like the another one becomes shirt, you know, mm-hmm. instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always found that to be I a don't clever, give a shirt. clever yeah. usage of that. This reminds me of that, and this you know that just gives me a chuckle when I think about it. There this. you go. Well, Dean, now that you have your own Netflix account, you could actually watch it. I think it's on there. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yes, highly recommend it. Fantastic show. I do highly recommend that one too. Oh, so. uh, good stuff. All right, that is what's tech connecting with us, yep. uh, Andy Zanger from CBW. Thanks, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate having you on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you having me and appreciate the partnership with Blue Star. Always uh, amazing uh, to work together. So thank, thank you, sir. You. Awesome. Yep. Definitely. And again, we, Andy, we'll be back in a few weeks for yes. a, a cool live episode that we're going to do. We'll be sending out some info soon about how you can sign up and watch live and ask questions. There you Andy go. And the rest of our, our panelists. That live. Day. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, it is time, for, unfortunately, for us to unplug for the day. So until next time, uh, you know, send some ducking texts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Explore Web three, you know, yep. get past the grift a little bit, see what you can find, and, and share your Netflix. <laughs> share your Netflix <laughs> if you can. Uh, and as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Evo. Modern point of sale goes beyond just having a touch display and cloud software, right? Yes, of course. You got to have sleek, functional accessories. Oh, whoa, we're accessorizing. Wait, yes. we just talked about all about. Ex- 
experience. Well, that's true. That's journey. true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you don't just put some clunky hardware that you know, <laughs> give them an experience and like, here's the thing you check out. Yeah, on. here's the brick. Here's yeah. the brick you check out. On. No, it's yeah, gotta yeah. look cool. Yeah. So Elo has that cover with their retail hardened Z series POS stands. Mm. Now each model of the Z stand offers cable concealment to keep counter spaces clean. No one wants nice. to see that. No, nobody wants to see the rat's cables nest. Cables everywhere. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Rat's nest. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a single cable connection to add a customer-facing display mm. and compatibility with Elo's i-series displays. The Z20 and 30 offer integrated I.O. and the Z30 can include an integrated customer display. Nice. Lots of different options. You know, oh, yeah. their we love options and modularity. Options yeah. here, yeah. yeah. The Z stands are also available as a component of a pre-packaged Elo Pause Android point-of-sale solution for compact spaces, full-service to self-service versatility, or maximum connectivity with interactive CFD. Hmm. So to compare your options and find the right stand for your next POS install, check out the link in the show notes or contact the Blue Star Elo team. This episode is also brought to you by Toshiba. Create exceptional experiences today with the Toshiba TCX 810 POS system. Hmm. We're, we're covering all the, the oh, we are. stuff here today. Yeah, you know? we are. We got retail fulfillment. <laughs> we got experience. Yes. We got cool, slick products. And now mm-hmm. we got an actual POS system here, too. So, and a good one from Toshiba. That's there right. you go. The TCX 810 POS system is Toshiba's most powerful and robust all in one point of sale system, delivering the performance, durability, adaptability, and serviceability mm-hmm. that your retail customers need to thrive the day and in the future. Future. There you it's not go. Just about today. No, 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 no. It's future proof. One for years yeah. to come. Yeah. Because this stuff's going to be around for a while. This is good stuff. Exactly. The TCX810 it has an industry-leading number of I/O ports for maximum connectivity. Mm. Very important. You got all yep. cool accessories right. and stuff that you need Peripherals to attach. that come in. Yep. Uh, multiple FHD screen sizes offering richer colors and deeper contrast. 11th gen Intel processor mm. and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth wireless connectivity. Boom. Uh, now an IP53 rating makes this the rugged system that's tough enough to endure seven years See, I'm telling you. spills, drops, and continuous chemical cleaning. It's like a tank. And again, if you've ever been in retail, yeah. you know how much your POS takes a beating. <laughs> and you oh, need it to be able to hold it's up. It's not this soft little place where, you no, know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not. No. no. You yeah. got all these seasonal employees Absolutely. that just are Coffee's knocking stuff being around, spilled dumping on. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this TCX810 can handle that. Check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star account manager to learn more. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by Zebra. Modern retail extends beyond the shop and the cash wrap. Again, we just talked all about this. Today. Absolutely. The journey. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, just yeah. about, you know, what's happening in the store. It's what's happening online. Mm-hmm. what's happening mm-hmm. back to store. It's mm-hmm. what's happening in mm-hmm. fulfillment. Enabling your associates. All there that kind of go. good stuff. Yeah. So today's retailers are turning their back of house and supply chain operations into fulfillment centers uh-huh. for online orders for Bopus, curbside, and more. This path to a modern, successful warehouse operation begins with the right solutions from the right technology partners. From gaining basic control operations to achieving predictability and adaptability, mm-hmm. Zebra can guide your customer's modernization journey. Look, see, yep, again, see? it's not just the customer that's going into the store journey. It's the journey of the folks that work for 100%, the store. 100 yes. We experience, yes. Uh, in their new ebook, Three Trends Shaping Retail Fulfillment, they look at the trends, solutions, and opportunities to exceed customer expectations, improve operational visibility, and empower the employees. It's packed with case studies, videos, and tips to help guide your retail warehousing partners. Check out the link in the show notes to request the ebook, and after you read it, go back and check out episode number 151 of the podcast mm. to learn more from Zebra's John Worthland and Tim Kane. 